last year, uh, sometime last year, our church was doing one of our um, newcomer gatherings downstairs. And while I was doing my speech, I was talking, and, and in the middle of it, this, this little 10-year-old boy says out of nowhere, you have the best job ever. And everyone's like, aw, he loves his pastor. And then he says, you only work one day a week. <laughs> and then we're like, oh, we get it. <laughs> but you know, like, I, I get it. It makes sense. Like, I, I've had people ask me, like, so what does a pastor do all week? Like, I get Sunday, but what about the rest of the week? Because, come on, you know you've wondered this. You know you've wondered this. And so, so it is, because what happens all week? Well, and, and it's interesting with a church like this. We're a church plant. Um, I'm, the only, I'm the only full-time staff here, so I'm solo staff. And, and being a pastor at a place like River Life, three and a half years old and growing, it can actually be pretty tough. Because I do a whole lot of things. And I wear a whole lot of different hats. And there are a lot of parts of it that get kind of challenging sometimes. But there's one part. There's one part that's probably the hardest out of any of it. And that's that as a pastor in full-time ministry, it is really hard for me to grow in my own faith. Like, and it's kind of amazing because on any given week, I, I study the Bible a bunch. But usually it's to put together sermons um, I think about life and faith issues, but it's usually in the context of helping someone think through and wrestle through something they're going through. Um, and, and then and I think about it, and I, I think about God, I, I pray for people, but sometimes, honestly, I forget to pray for myself. And, and it's one of the hardest things about pastoring, at least in this context. And I don't know about other pastors, if they experience that. But it's something that I experience here at River Life, that it's really hard to grow in my faith when I'm in full-time ministry. Um, and you know, but, but I, know, I know I'm missing something really important. I'm missing something critical to my faith. And so that's one of the things that I'm still trying to figure out about how to be in full-time ministry and grow in my own faith. So how about you? How are you feeling about your faith these days? Are you growing? Do you feel like you're growing in your faith amidst all the things and jobs and kids and work and school and everything you're going through? Are you growing? So, or are you sort of struggling? So to help you answer that question, let me, let me ask a few questions. I've got four questions here that I want, I want to ask you. First, do you have an ongoing and unsuccessful struggle against sin? Second, do you experience a lack of power in your life or your ministry? Do you experience a lack of power? Third, do you ever doubt your salvation? Do those deep doubts ever creep into your life when you think about your relationship with God? And then fourth, do you lack joy? Are you missing out on this, this thing people seem to be talking about, like Christian joy? Are you missing out on that? So if you answered yes to any of these questions, if you answered yes, then today's sermon is for you. If you answered yes, God brought you here today for a reason, and it's to hear what I'm going to be talking about today. That is why you are sitting in that pew right now, All right? 
to hear this message. Because if you answered yes to any one of those, you're missing out on a critical part of your faith. So last week, we started this new series. We started this new series called The Fourfold Gospel, The Spiritual DNA of the Alliance. And and I talked about this idea of this Jesus-centered theology that the founder of the the Christian Missionary Alliance, A.B. Simpson, he he founded the the CMA on this Jesus-centered theology that he called the fourfold gospel. And it's so critical to the identity and the life of the alliance, it's even built into our logo. So here's, here's a logo, and in this logo, we see four pieces. Jesus as our Savior, represented by the cross. Jesus as our sanctifier, represented kind of by the thing that looks like a big wine glass. It's actually, it's a washing basin. That's Jesus, our sanctifier. Third is Jesus, our healer. That's that little pitcher. That's a pitcher for anointing oil. And then lastly, Jesus, our coming king, represented by the crown. And and these four things, these four things represent the most important things about Jesus that you could ever believe. These are, these are the most important things about Jesus you could ever believe. That's why we're spending a few weeks talking about them. And last week, last week we began this series by talking about Jesus as our Savior. And we talked about how Jesus saves us from God's wrath by exchanging our sin for his righteousness. That's what Jesus did on the cross. He allowed us to exchange our sin for his righteousness. And because of that, we can be made right in God's sight, and we can have a relationship with him. That is all because Jesus is our Savior. Well, this week, we're going to talk about the second one. That's Jesus as our sanctifier. Jesus as our sanctifier. Now, to help introduce this topic, I've got a short video, just a couple minutes, but it helps give you a little bit of an idea of what does it mean when Jesus is our sanctifier. One day, a number of years ago, Makanzu, a student at a Bible college in the Congo, approached his teacher, an Alliance missionary. Mademoiselle Spriggins, I'm preparing to become a pastor, but I live a miserable life. I have no joy, no peace, no zeal. How can I win people to Christ if it is to live this kind of life? Although Makanzu knew Jesus Christ as his Savior, he had no idea of what it meant to walk in the fullness of the Spirit. After examining the scripture with his teacher, Makanzu felt convicted of his need to live not by the flesh, but by the Spirit. He prayed and asked God to show him what needed to change in his life. And God revealed several areas in Makanzu's life that were not fully surrendered to the Spirit. He confessed to his teacher that he had cheated in his studies and to another professor whose class he had disrupted. He confessed to his wife that he had a hidden stash of pornography, which he then proceeded to destroy. Obedience to the Spirit severed the enemy's hold upon Makanzu, and his joy, his zeal, and power returned. The rains have come, he exclaimed. And he went on to lead thousands of men and women in his country to the Lord. It all started with a simple act of obedience. Friends, this is the essence of sanctification, the work that God wants to do through his spirit to mold us into the very image of Christ 
as we submit our lives fully to His control. One of the great distinguishing marks of the Christian and Missionary Alliance is the insistence that by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ not only lives in us, but He lives through us. In our next study, we'll learn more about how this happens as we encounter Jesus Christ, our Sanctifier. So have you ever felt like Makanzu? Where you want, you want to do big things for God. You want to make a difference. You want, you want to be a great spouse, a great parent. You want to love God. But you come back to this, that these things like your life is full of sin. That you're messed up and you're selfish. You feel powerless. You don't have that joy in your life. And you come to this point of, I don't know what to do. So if that's you, and just like Makanzu, if that's you, you need Jesus as your sanctifier. So what exactly does that mean? What exactly is sanctification? So I want to give you three things to help you understand this. Because I understand for some of you, this might be a new term, sanctification. What does it mean Jesus as sanctifier? So I want to give you three things. First, a definition. Second, a diagram. And third is we're going to look at a passage in Romans that helps explain a little bit what Jesus as sanctifier means. So first, a definition. Here's a definition for sanctification. Sanctification is a progressive work of God and the believer that makes us more and more like Christ in our daily lives. So let me highlight four things in that. First, sanctification is progressive. Little by little, day by day. It starts small and it grows and grows. This is not like justification, like being saved, where it all happens at once. No, sanctification is something that is progressive. Second, it is both God and you. God has a part he plays in sanctification and we have a part we play in sanctification. Third is it is all about becoming more and more like Christ. That's fundamentally what it's about. The word sanctify means holy or set apart. And, and all of this is about becoming more and more like Christ's goodness, his holiness, his set-apartness for God. And then lastly, it's a daily process. It's really hard for sanctification to happen if it only happens on Sundays. No, day by day, that's, that's where you find sanctification. So, there's, there's a definition. Now, let's move on to a diagram. Tra tracking so far? You good? So, here's a diagram. Here's a diagram of what the biblical Christian life should look like. So let me explain some of these parts. First, before you were a Christian, the Bible says you were slaves to sin. All of us, before we were saved by Christ, we are slaves to sin. And then when you choose to say yes to Jesus as your Lord, something instantly changes. That's actually the very first sanctification that happens. That's that vertical line that goes straight up. Because when you say yes to Jesus as your Lord, you are changed. You are given new life. 
new birth. You are a new creation. Something changes. And then you start living the Christian life. And that's what that little diagonal stair-step line is. And yes, there, there are ups and there are downs. There are times where your faith is strong and then there are times where you kind of backslide and you fall apart a little bit. But generally what the Bible talks about, the Christian life should be progressively growing in Christ-likeness. Yeah, we got some ups and downs, but we're, overall we're moving in the direction of Christ. And then lastly, when we die... And, and, and we come to heaven, and God gives us a restored new body. Revelation 21 talks about there's, that there's no more death, there's no more sickness, no more crying, because we are renewed, and we are made as holy as a created being could ever be. And that's the last piece of sanctification. And that, that's actually called glorification. So, that, so that's what a Christian life should look like. That's how the Bible talks about it. But you know, I mean, I've known a lot of people who that's not what their life looks like. It looks maybe more like this one, where they, they accept Christ. Go ahead and hit the next slide there. That, that the next, that's sort of more what it looks like. You kind of become a Christian and then... You just sort of plateau. Maybe you grow a little. Maybe you fall a little. But you just stay steady. I know for years, before and I, my wife before and I would talk, and we would see people who've been going to church for decades, and they have not changed. That is a tragedy. There is no way. That is never what God has wanted for his followers. Now, even worse is this diagram. <laughs> maybe, maybe you're sort of stuck in that right now, where you've actually got more sin in your life right now than you had earlier in your faith. And I want to tell you, if, if this is feeling like you, you need Jesus as your sanctifier. Because he is the one that can give you power through the Holy Spirit, power over sin and joy in your life. You can begin to be victorious as God calls us. He calls us victorious. So that is not the life God wants us to live. Okay? He wants us to be growing more and more daily, weekly, monthly to conform to the image of Christ. That's what the Christian life should look like. So... So no matter where you're at, of those three diagrams, maybe you're in the middle, maybe you're in a great stage, maybe not so much. You're in a kind of rough stage, and, and you know you've got some habits, and you've got some things that you're into that you know are going against God's will for you, but you can't seem to beat it. You can't seem to quit, or maybe you don't even want to quit. This is where Jesus, as our sanctifier, comes in. So, we're going to shift. We're going to look at this passage in Romans because it adds some insight into how do we do this. Sure, it sounds great. Isn't that kind of what all of us would want? Wouldn't we all want to be more like Jesus? He's generally a pretty respected guy across the world. Wouldn't we want to be more like him? But then how? 
Why, why do so many of us, why do I fall short so often? Why do I miss out on that idea? Well, Romans gives us a little bit of idea, a little bit of explanation. So, in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8, this is the definitive section in the entire Bible on sanctification. You want to know what that graph, you want to see that graph in Scripture? Romans 6, 7, and 8. So I, I want to encourage you, if you want to read more, if, if today's sermon kind of sparks some stuff in you and God's speaking to you, read all three of those chapters together. Now, since I'd like to get out of here before dinner, I'm only going to hit a little bit. Okay? We're going to take a look at part of Romans chapter 6, the first half of it. Because here he talks a lot about this idea of sanctification and what does that look like for us. So we're going to look at chapter 6, verses 1 to 14. And we're going to take a somewhat high-level view on it. Um, I wrestled between taking a larger block of Scripture and going high-level or taking one paragraph and diving deep. I decided I want to read you all of this because it's good and it's powerful. So there's no way I can do justice to these 14 verses here today. There are a lot I'm going to be just skimming over, but I'm going to hit the big pieces on how you can live a sanctified life, and you could be more and more conformed to the image of Christ. And what that means, you can be a better spouse. You can be a more effective world changer. You can be a person that people look to for help, for advice. People that say, I want to know your God because you're different than the people around me. That's what these verses unlock. So we're going to start with, with just verse 1. You can follow on the screen. You can flip to it, click to it. I'm going to be reading out of the NIV today. Um, so let's go for it. Starting with verse 1. What shall we say... What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Now, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, you have died to sin. That's part of the transformation that Jesus does in you when you believe in him. You're, you have died to sin. God has given you a new life. That's part of what we, we celebrate with baptism. Part of the symbolism of baptism is we, the reason we dunk is going underwater is dying to your old self and coming back up is being raised to new life. And that's part of what's so powerful about baptism. And I will say now, if you're a Christian, if you have not been baptized, if God is convicting you right now to get baptized, come to my house at 4 o'clock today the pool party, I will baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ today at my house. And then we can float on the, the inner tubes together, okay? 
There you go. So, so we are given new life, and, and that's the thing you need to remember, that if you're a believer, you have died to sin. Let's continue. For if we have been united with him, meaning Jesus, in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. Might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Because of Jesus' death, you are set free from sin. You are no longer slaves to sin. I am no longer a slave to sin. So why do we still act like we are? If we are no longer slaves to sin, why do we still act like we are? Maybe you're going out drinking and you're coming home drunk weekend after weekend. Maybe you're still shouting angry, violent words to your spouse, to your friends, to your kids. Maybe you're spending money you don't have. Because you, you want to look good. You want what the other people have. Maybe you're still looking at porn night after night after night. Maybe you're still prideful or jealous or selfish or lying or gossiping. And maybe you're still living as a slave to sin. But we're not. We're living a false reality. Because Jesus Christ has made us slaves to righteousness. We are free from sin. We are now slaves to righteousness and goodness and love and selflessness. That's our new nature. Our, our, sorry, our new, our new life that God has given us. So why do we still live like slaves to sin when we've been freed from it? It's because we're not allowing Jesus to be our sanctifier. We're not allowing Jesus to sanctify us through the Holy Spirit, to make us more and more holy, more and more conformed to the image of Christ. We're rejecting the power that Jesus offers for some momentary gratification. That sounds like a really lousy deal. Let's continue. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Jesus died to sin once and for all. He conquered sin. He beat the unbeatable foe. He conquered sin for us. 
He conquered sin for you. He conquered sin for me. We're giving up the victory that's already ours. When we turn back to that sin, and my bet is every one of us in here has that, and you know what it is. You know, what, you know that sin that you keep going back to. We're giving up the victory that's already ours. And we're turning back to a life of slavery and defeat. So now he shifts. Paul shifts a little bit in, the, in his letter. And in this last paragraph, he gives some commands for us to follow. And these are essentially, he's, he repeats himself, he says three different ways, the same general idea. So here it is. In the same way as Jesus, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Let that last slide, let that sink in. I want to say that prophetically over you. Sin shall no longer be your master. Sin shall no longer be your master. That's the reality Jesus invites us into. He invites us into a a five-course meal and we turn to mud pies. Because we forget, we ignore Jesus as our sanctifier, the one to make us whole, to make us holy. Sin shall no longer be your master. See, sanctification is living out who Jesus says we already are. Sanctification is not becoming something we're not. No. Jesus says we are already freed from sin. We have a new master, and that's God in heaven. We are not slaves to sin. Sanctification is living out who Jesus says we already are. We are agents of righteousness not wickedness. We are victorious, not defeated. We are recipients of grace, not the law. We are given life, not death. 
We are ruled by Jesus, not by our sin. Sin is not your master. Stop living like it is. Sin is not your master. So stop living like it is. And step into the freedom that Jesus has for you. So how do we do this? How do we actually do this? How do we live like sin isn't our master? How can we live truly as Jesus, as our sanctifier? Well, I want to give you three words. I want to give you three words on how to do this. First, surrender. Surrender. Give up trying to manage your sin. That's a losing battle for all of us, myself included. Only Jesus can defeat sin, and we can step into his victory. He gives it to us. You cannot make yourself holy any more than you can make yourself saved. So surrender. Second, accept. Accept Jesus Christ as your sanctifier. Just like there, there, for many of you, there was a day, there was a time, a period of life where you accepted Jesus as your Savior. Some of you need to accept him as your sanctifier. Because you've been saved and you're living this plateaued or even declining life. Accept Jesus as your sanctifier. And third... Abide. Abide. Maintain a continuous, daily, personal relationship with Jesus through obedience to his word. You, you just can't have a personal, daily, intimate relationship with Jesus and not obey his word. Because sin gets in that way. So abide through obedience to his word day in and day out. Surrender, accept, abide. So I want to leave you with a quote from John Newton. This is the famous composer of Amazing Grace. And here's what he said about sanctification. I am not what I ought to be, I am not what I wish to be. I am not what I hope to be, but by the cross of Jesus Christ, I am not what I used to be. Don't you want that for yourself? Don't you want to look a year from now, five years from now, ten years from now, and say, by the cross of Jesus Christ, I am not what I used to be? And that's one of the things that scares me about pastoring. What if I look forward five years into river life, ten years into river life? What if I'm still the same Greg with the same flaws and the same sins? Like, what a heartbreak that would be. 
No matter what was happening with River Life, growing, multi-site, multi-staff, but if I'm the same person, I think I will have missed something that God really wanted for me. And he wants it for you too. God, through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, wants to conform you daily for the rest of your life into the image of Christ. And that can only happen when we take Jesus as our sanctifier. Join me in prayer. God, we are selfish and we are wicked and we are sin-filled. We don't deserve anything that you give us. But by your grace alone, you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us, to save us from our sins. And then by that power, you, you allow us to become holy. You allow us to become better. You allow us to become like Jesus. So, Lord, I pray and I ask for all of us, for our entire church, sanctify us by the power of your word through the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray for every person in this room who is trapped in sin right now. I pray in the power of the name of Jesus Christ, freedom for all of us. Freedom from sin. Let us live the lives that Jesus Christ already gave us. Let us be holy and righteous. So thank you. Thank you, God, for Jesus Christ, our sanctifier. And in his name I pray, amen.